All right, let's open up our Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. We want to continue our Bible study here in this book. Uh, this is a section of Scripture that's really popular to read from, and uh, I myself have taught on it a number of times, but I wanted to bring this up for a reason, and uh, we're just going to continue to break this down in Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to read this morning verses 1 through 5 out of the NIV. And NIV stands for the New International Version of the Bible. Okay, we normally read out of the New King James, but uh, because of our online services, I want to read out of the NIV. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit easier for you to comprehend and follow as we do our Bible studies here, okay? Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 5. Let's pray and ask for our Lord's blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, again, we thank you for all those that are here this morning. It's so good to feel the life again of the church and the, the voices and the hands being raised and the responses of the people and just the life, Lord God, because we had been uh, preaching to an empty church for many weeks, Lord God. So I thank you for just uh, reigniting our hearts and encouraging us again. Thank you for the worship and the praise here today that was also, Lord God, anointed. And now, Father, we ask for your help with this particular part of the service. We need your help with everything, Lord God. Just the fact that we're breathing and that our hearts are beating and that we're able to stand up and see and hear and comprehend the words and make sense out of everything. That all comes from you, Lord. And you have to help us to make this to make sense out of everything, Lord, that we hear and that we do and that we see and that's going on around us. Lord God, minister to your people, whatever we may be going through right now, whatever is going on, whatever situations or circumstances we are facing, even though they seem daunting or overwhelming or intimidating, help us, Lord God, to humble ourselves before you during these next few moments and help us to know that you are God and that nothing is impossible for you, Lord, as we put our trust in you. And again, I pray that you will bless me as your servant to speak your word and to share the word here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Now God's people said, Amen. Very good. Okay, let me read verses 1 through 5 of Genesis chapter 37. It says this, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. <clears throat> when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Again, we began looking at this section of scripture last week and we focused and we're focusing right now on the life of Joseph because his situation was the complete opposite of the situation that David, the, who eventually became the king of Israel, faced. Now remember a few weeks ago when we looked at the life of David, we learned that he, David, was made to feel insignificant, overlooked, invisible, unqualified, unimportant. And this was, he was made to feel this by his own dad. His dad's name was Jesse. So David was a rejected neglected and forgotten son. But last week we began to look at the life of Joseph. And as we learned, we're going to learn today, Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons total, but Joseph was his favorite and the spoiled child. 
And we looked at Genesis chapter 37, verse 1 last week, and we learned that Jacob and his family were living in a place called Canaan. We learned that this was a very intimidating environment for Jacob and his family because the Bible tells us that they were alone in a land. It's just a little family. They were alone in the land that was dominated and controlled by people groups that were far more numerous, far more powerful than Jacob and his family. These were uh, enormous populations, and all Jacob had was his little family, and they needed God's protection. These groups could have wiped them out so easily. Not only that, but we learned that the people of the land were giants, and they worshiped foreign gods, not the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I want to show this map once again of the land of Canaan, because I need to make a clarification concerning what I said last week. I heard a lot of comments about what I said last week. So I want to show you this map of Canaan, okay? And I tried my pointer out this morning, but it didn't work, unfortunately. Uh, so we're going to do the best that we can. And those of you watching on the social media online, either through YouTube or Facebook, uh, just kind of verbally follow along what I'm asking you to do right now, okay? We here at the church are watching a map uh, of our own here. But if we look at the land of Canaan, okay, first of all, today... This area where you see in green where it says Canaan, that is the land of Israel today. But this is the way it looked before Israel became a nation. And we showed you this map last week. And if you notice, the land was controlled by different tribes of people. Beginning in the southern part of Canaan. Again, I don't have a pointer or anything. And it's hard for you guys to see out in the church. But beginning in the southern section of Canaan to the left, okay, we see a people's called the Amalekites, okay? The Amalekites, they control that area. And then if you move to the center and the right of the southern part of the Canaan land, you see the Amorites. And you move to the right of the Amorites and you see the Kenites. If we go up north, you'll see a tribe called the Hittites. And then if we go north from there, we see the tribe of the Jebusites. And then if we go north from there, you'll see the nation or the tribe called the Perizzites. Then if we go north from them, you see a tribe called the Hivites. And if you go north from there, you see the Girgashites. And at the very top, uh, the northernmost section of what is Israel today, you see a tribe called the Hivites. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up it's because what I did last week is I just bunched all of them up together and I called them all the termites, all right? And unfortunately, many of you commented and said and really believed that these people were called the termites. But I was being silly. I just made up, I just made it up to make it really easy on me and you so that I would not have to mention all of their names. I just mentioned all of their names. And instead of mentioning all of their names, I just call them all the termites. But I want to let you know, for those of you that believed, that you believed me when I said that these were the termites, please forgive me because there is nowhere in the Bible that it says that these people were called termites. I just call them termites, okay? However, these people 
were very evil. They were very wicked. They were perverted people. Uh, eventually, even though they were very powerful, and even though they were giants and they controlled that whole area, God would constantly warn them and give them a chance to repent. But eventually, about 500 years later into the future, God would use the Israelites to destroy them. And today, that land is the land of Israel. Okay. Now, the most important thing that we learned last week about Jacob and his family living in hostile territory was that even though they were surrounded by hostile, ungodly, and very powerful people, Jacob and his family did not fear because God was with them. Let me say that again. They weren't afraid because God was with them. Even though they were surrounded by an enemy and they were hostile and they were ungodly, Jacob and his family were not afraid. Why? Because God was with them. Jacob decided in his own heart, he made a choice in his life to make the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his God. And believe me, when you choose to make the true and living God your God in your life and you cry out in the name of Jesus, you too don't have to be afraid of anything. Because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter how crazy this world gets, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is still king. And we serve him. Can you say amen, church? So God was blessing them. God was protecting Jacob and his family. God was resourcing Jacob and his family. God gave them favor in the midst of their enemies. God had great plans for Jacob and his family, just like God has great plans for you and I who have chosen to trust him. In this very ungodly world that we live in, when you make a choice for God, believe me, that's the best choice that you can make. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I don't know about you, but man, it pays off good to serve Jesus. Can you say amen, church? If you are a Christian, please be encouraged and confident in knowing that God is with you wherever you go. Don't let people put you down because you believe in Jesus, because you follow Jesus, because you strive to follow Jesus, because you believe in the Bible. Don't let people make you feel like you're a loser. No. Becoming a Christian, trusting in Jesus and as Christ and Lord of your life is the best decision you will ever make in your life. Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Church, do you believe that? Do you believe that God is with you right now? Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Joshua 1.5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 2 Corinthians 6.16 What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? 
For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. How many of you are proud to be the people of God here tonight? I know that we're living in a world and in a culture that is anti-Christ, but man, the best thing that you and I can do is stick with God. Listen, just like God was with Jacob and his family in a very hostile and evil environment, and he was surrounded by his enemies, it didn't matter. God was with him and his family, and God will be with you and me and our families in every circumstance. Then we looked at Genesis chapter 37, verse 2, and it says this, This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending his flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. We focused on the last part of verse 2. In the last section of verse 2, the Bible tells us that Joseph would bring a bad report of his brothers to his dad, Jacob. And we explained that. We learned that when Joseph saw that his older brothers would get into some kind of mischief or when they were doing things that were wrong or ungodly or unethical, ethical or illegal instead of joining them instead of supporting them instead of participating with them joseph not only chose to reject what they were doing and to stay away from what they were doing that was wrong but he would also expose his brothers and tell his dad that his brothers were messing up and why because jake Joseph did not want to lose the blessing of the lord on the rock joseph knew that he needed god to protect them He needed God's favor. And he knew that if his brothers were doing things that were going to jeopardize that, he had to make sure that that was taken care of. And what is so sad is that Joseph's older brothers were not happy about Joseph's loyalty to the things and the ways of God. As a matter of fact, it made them mad that Joseph had a desire to pursue righteousness and expose wickedness. But if we want God's blessing and God's protection and God's peace, we need to pursue God. We need to seek first the kingdom of God so that he could be our God. Can you say amen, church? So when you, cho- when you choose to follow God and you strive for righteousness, don't be surprised if people wanna, don't want to hang out with you anymore. Or they, and if you choose to take a stand for God and, and sinners and even other Christians that are compromising, they're going to feel uncomfortable around you. When you speak the name of Jesus, I mean, you can talk about anything you want out there. But once you mention the name of Jesus, people are going to get offended they're going to feel uncomfortable even other christians that are compromising they're going to feel uncomfortable when you take a firm stand for god now let's move to genesis chapter 37 verses 3 through 5 it says this in verse 3 now israel loved joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, the Bible tells us that Joseph was a favorite of Jacob's 12 sons. Joseph was not the oldest, but he was the most loved by his father. Joseph got all the best stuff. Joseph was spoiled and treated with special privileges from his dad. Joseph even had a special coat of many colors made for him from his dad, and his brothers hated that coat of many colors. As a matter of fact, 
Even though most of the time Joseph would go out with his brothers to tend the flocks and the fields and, and, and the animals, in this section of the story that we're about to get into, in this story, Joseph was not at home. Joseph was at home with his dad while his brothers were out there in the hot desert fields taking care of the sheep and the goats and the other animals. And as a result, the Bible tells us straight up that his brothers hated him. His brothers were jealous of him. It says in Genesis chapter 37, verses 3 and 4. Let me read it again. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. It also says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 11, a little bit more down the line, it says this. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So let's try to picture the situation that we got going on here. Here we have this young man named Joseph. He is a favorite and spoiled son of his father. He is at home with his dad while his brothers are out there with the animals in the heat of the day in the cold, uh, in the, and in the cold of the night. This is like the opposite of David, what we learned about David earlier. Because remember, David was the neglected son, and David was the one out there with the animals in the heat of the day and in the cold of the night, while his brothers were with their dad, preparing to have a feast, preparing to have a party, preparing to have a, a delicious steak dinner with the prophet Samuel. So while his brothers and the dad of David were getting ready to party, David was out there with the sheep and the goats and the animals and the lions and the tigers and the bears. But now we have the opposite. Now we have Joseph, the favorite son. He's at home while his older brothers are out there in the field with the lions and the tigers and the bears. And the Bible tells us that Joseph's brothers hated him. And Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. Just a quick note to all you parents out there that have more than one child. Every time we read this section of scripture, I always try to make this point. Please try your best not to show favoritism with your kids. Try your best to love them all the same. Because believe me, they notice if they, if you love one more than the other. Believe me, they pay attention and they don't like it when you, that when they feel like they're not treat, being treated the same. Also, every time I teach on this section of scripture, I like to remind all of you young people out there that come from blended families, that Joseph and his brothers were a blended family. We learned last week that Jacob had four wives, Leah, Zilpah, Rachel, and Bilhah. So Joseph had half-brothers and, ha and a half-sister. Maybe your dad and mom have been married more than once, and now you have half-brothers and sisters. I'm talking to all you kids out there, all you young people out there that come from blended families, stepmom, stepdad, stepbrothers, stepsisters. Maybe you feel that your dad or mom loves your other siblings more than they love you, or that your mom or dad spends more time with your other siblings, and you are ignored, or you are un loved or you are unsupported. This, of course, leads to all kinds of internal conflict. It leads to hurt and anger and bitterness and feelings of rejection, jealousies, competition, comparisons between moms and stepmoms and dads and stepdads. And kids learn to play off of each other's parents when they don't get their way with one 
mom, they go to the stepmom. When they don't get their way with the stepdad, they go to the other dad and they play each other's parents. And the parents have a hard time dealing with all this. And we know that children deal very differently with these emotions. Some kids get violent. Some get aggressive. Some get really passive. Some get really depressed. Some get loud and some get very quiet. Some want to fight and some want to run to run and hide. And then you have those who learn to be very independent and are able to move forward successfully, even though their home is a mess. So if you're listening to me right now and you think that your family is all messed up or mixed up, guess what? You are not alone and you are not the first one to ever go through this. If you are a kid and your parents are all messed up, if you're a kid and your relationship with your siblings is all messed up, if you're a parent and your relationship with your own kids or your stepkids is all messed up, I have some good news for you here today, this morning. This is nothing new. God can handle it. God is still in control. God is an an expert at turning messed up and painful and ugly and terrible situations into something that is good and profitable and healthy and beautiful. He said, the Bible says he makes all things work together for good. Even when we sin, even when we rebel against God, even when we're disobedient, if we humble ourselves and we repent and we come back to God, he says, I can turn it all around for you. If you just let me be your God. We need to learn to trust in the Lord. God is an expert in cleaning up our mess. If you take your pain and your disappointment and your hurt and your loneliness and you give it to God, surrender it to God, learn to put your trust in God, believe me, God will help you. He will direct you. He will strengthen you. God's got your back. God is very much aware of your specific and unique and difficult and complicated circumstances. Don't try to figure this thing out on your own. It is way too hard for you to try to process and figure this thing out in your despair. I am encouraging you out there right now that are hurting. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Humble yourself and cry out to God in your pain and your hurt. Cry out to the Lord and he will be a father to you and help you. Then in Genesis chapter 37 verse 5, the Bible tells us something else. In Genesis 37 5, the Bible says this, Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Again, Whenever I teach out of this section of scripture, I always emphasize the importance of dreams. Don't be afraid to dream. Don't be afraid to set goals for yourselves. Can you say amen, church? I always remind everyone, Walt Disney was a dreamer and he created a place called Disneyland. Bill Gates and Steve Jobs were dreamers and they partnered to create the Apple computer and the industry. Alexander Graham Bell, he was a dreamer and he invented the telephone. Thomas Jefferson was a a dreamer. Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., he was a dreamer. Right now, in the past few years, we've had the dreamers movement. And according to Wikipedia, it says the dreamers movement emerged during the time that the Dream Act was being pushed in Congress. The individuals that make up the group are primarily undocumented students and youth. The dreamers movement has 
been seen tackling issues in regards to immigration, education, and citizenship. Right now, as I'm speaking, some of you even at home, right now, you are daydreaming and you are totally zoned out. You're not even paying attention to me. You're thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch or for dinner or what you're going to do after church ends. But on a more serious note, you may have a dream of being able to have a home one day. You may have a dream of having a car someday. You may have a dream of getting married someday. You may have a dream of owning a business one day. You may have a dream of graduating or getting a promotion or getting a raise or going to college or going to a trade school and learning a trade. Having dreams and goals is good and it's healthy and it's a, it, it's a godly thing. It gives us the motivation that we need to pursue and to persevere even under very difficult and challenging and painful and overwhelming circumstances. And man, when you have God with you, then you feel confident that you can accomplish those goals and those dreams in your life. Now remember that I said previously that when Joseph saw that his older brothers were doing wrong, or ungodly, or unethical, or illegal things, instead of joining them, and supporting them, and participating with them, Joseph chose to reject joining with them in doing wrong. Remember, Joseph was 17 years old. He was a teenager. He was uh, in his senior year in high school. Okay? And the dude, and what we're going to show it later on, the dude was a stud. He was a good-looking guy. All the chicks had the hots for him. And because he was in Canaan, some of the guys even had the hots for him. So the guy was, was, had it going on, and he was popular. But every time they would invite him to a party or to a get-together, and they would offer him the dope, he would say no. Every time they would offer him the beer or the tequila, he would say no. Every time the chicks would want to turn him on to have some sex, he would say no. I'm going to stay a virgin until I get married. He took a stand for God. And he's only 17 years old in high school, senior year. But he took a stand for God. And because he took a stand for God, listen to what the Bible says. In Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in, the, or in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Let me say that again. Whatever they do prospers. When you take a stand of righteousness for God, and you stand up against the temptations, and all the madness, and all the chaos, and all the culture, and the antichrist ways of the world, and you say, I want to follow God no matter what, God says, whatever you do, it will prosper because you have chosen to trust God. And the dude was young. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, whatever your goals are, whatever your dreams are, whatever your desires are, God, especially and more importantly, making sure that they are godly dreams and godly desires and godly goals, healthy ones. Guess what? God says, I'll give you this. You just make sure you put me first. 
Joseph was a dreamer. And the best thing we can do is to commit our dreams and goals to God. Psalm chapter 37 verse 3 through 5 says this. Trust in the Lord and do good. I'm going to say that again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. Listen. Even if you're out there listening to me right now and you are a heavy-duty partier, you're a heavy-duty gangbanger, you're having sex and orgies and all and mixed up with all kinds of madness and chaos, listen, I want to let you know right now, if you make up your mind even right now in the midst of your madness, in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your rebellion, in the midst of your sin, if you make up your mind right now and say, you know what, I'm going to turn away from all that madness because all it does is it causes me more pain and I'm going to turn my life to God, believe me, God will honor that right now if you make that decision right now let me read it to you again trust in the lord and do good choose today right now to do good to put your trust in god you can do it right now your life can change right now this instant it's up to you it's up to you to make up that decision in your own heart you have to make that decision trust in the lord and do good Today could be the beginning of a brand new life for you with God. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pastor. Don't you want to prosper? Don't you want to do good? Don't you want to feel safe and confident and at peace? Take delight in the Lord. Make God your delight. Exchange the drugs and the alcohol and the madness for God. Make him your delight. And he will give you the desires of your heart. You want God with you. You want God for you. You want God on your side. You do not want him against you, believe me. Right now, this coronavirus thing is humbling a lot of people. Humbling a lot of people. You know, we think we're all cocky. We think we're all proud. We think that we have our act together. We think that we could just do whatever we want, live however we want, act however we want, treat people however we want, and ignore God and avoid God and, and just do our own thing. And then something like the coronavirus hits, and it humbles us. It humbles us, and it helps us to realize that we are very vulnerable. And it helps us to remember that we need God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. That means that, man, if things are all messed up, God will begin to straighten it out for you. He will be, He has the power to do it. You can't do it for you, by yourself. God will help you to do it. You may be in complete debt and more debt and God says, you know what? Turn your life over to me. And I will help you. I will help you get out of that debt. Proverbs 16.3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And let me read that again. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Colossians 3.17. We're studying the book of Colossians right now in our Wednesday night Bible studies. Colossians 3.17 says this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Give whatever you're going through to God. Give your mess to God. Give your pain to God. Give all your talents and abilities to God. 
Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now we're going to get back to Genesis chapter 37, but I want to go back to verse 3. And I want to look at one final point for today before we conclude today. Genesis chapter 37 verse 3. First, I'm going to read it out of the NIV, and it says this. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. I want to read the same verse in the Good News translation. It says this. Jacob loved Joseph more than all his other sons, because he had been born to him when he was old. He made a long robe with full sleeves for him. I want to read it out of the New Living Translation. Genesis 37, 3, same verse. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Genesis 37, 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. This is a New King James Version because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Now, why is this particular fact important? Because you see, this is the very same thing that God does for you and for me and for anyone who turns their life over to him to become a Christian. God does the same thing as our Heavenly Father. Because you see, before we knew Christ as Savior and Lord and God, the Bible tells us that we were enemies of God. We didn't want to have anything to do with God. You may have even thought to yourself, yeah, I believed in God, but guess what? You had nothing, you wanted nothing to do with God. You wanted to do your own thing, run your own program, have your own way, live your own life, independent of the Bible, independent of what God, you were just doing your own thing. The Bible says we were enemies of God. We were sinners on our way to hell. I don't care how you, how much you had going on. I don't care how cute or rich you think you were. You were on your way to hell without God. Isaiah chapter 64 verses 4 through 9 says this. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. In other words, God's saying, you want your way? Okay, I'm going to let you have your way, and let's see where it takes you. Verse 8. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord, Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Verse 6 is the key here. 
In Isaiah 64, 6, it says this. All of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. When we came to Christ, God took off our old, sinful, dirty, filthy rags. And he cleaned us up. He cleansed us. We were filthy. We were wretched. We were lost. We were rejected. We were enemies of God. Our righteousness was like filthy rags. Even in our best day, even with our best efforts, we would never be able to please a holy God. We were filthy and we were, uh, we were sinful before him. But when we turned our lives over to God, and that's why I'm saying to you out there that are listening, even if things are all messed up, even if you know in your heart that you are living a life that is anti-Christ or anti-God or rebellious against God, listen, right now, God, if you repent, if you give, surrender your life over to God right now, God will strip you of those filthy rags. He will clean you up. And the Bible says he will clothe you with a brand new robe of righteousness that only he can give only god can give this robe of righteousness you cannot buy it at some store out here in the mall you can't get it it has to come from god only god can take the ugliness away from you and only god can replace it with something good listen to what it says in isaiah 61 10 i will greatly rejoice in the lord my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's the only one that can clothe us with garments of salvation. He's the only one. The blood of Jesus. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. He's the only one that can remove our filthiness and our sin and our rebellion and replace it with his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So you see, upon salvation, Jesus makes us kings and priests. And we talked about this in previous lessons that we've had here at church. I just want to read this section of scripture. I want to read it. Oh, you know what? I didn't bring my NIV version of the Bible. I have to read it out of the New King James. I'm so sorry. And it's a long section of scripture, too. Okay, does anybody have an NIV version of the Bible here? NIV? On the phone. Do you have it with you right now? Bring it up here, Manny. Bring it up here. I want you to look up Ezekiel. Come on up here, all the way up here. Ezekiel chapter 16. And I'm assuming, Josh, you have it on your computer there. Ezekiel 16, NIV version. Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 4 through 13. Is that it? Verse 4. Okay, thank you. I'm going to do my best here. Okay, church? Okay. We're going to end with this. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew and developed and entered puberty. Your breast had formed 
and your hair had grown, yet you were stark naked. This is Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8 now. Later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, Lord, and you became mine. I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you and put ointments on you. I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put sandals of fine leather on you. I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments. I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. And I put a ring on your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were of fine linen and costly fabric and embroidered cloth. Your food was honey, olive oil, and the finest flour. You became very beautiful and rose to be a queen. This is what God did for us, church. He took us out of the mess that we were in and he made us kings and queens and priests before him to serve him. He made us into royalty. First Peter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Do you believe that about yourself out there? Do you believe that about yourself? Let me read it again. It didn't sink in. You didn't get it. It didn't register. It says, but you are a chosen people. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's what the Bible says. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Look what God has done for me. Look what God has done for me and with me and in me and through me. He changed my life. He took me out of that horrible place that I was in. He took me away from that path that I was in. And he, and he, look what he did for me. Who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Did we deserve it? Of course not. Revelation 1, verses 4 through 6, final scripture. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who has who loved us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom of priests, to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. You are a Christian man. You are a Christian woman. You are a child of God. You are special. You have been given a robe of righteousness. God has cleansed you. You are his child. He has plans for you, good plans for you. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Go out and be proud of it. Brag about it. Declare it. Declare how good God has been to you. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that you will touch those who don't know you right now, Lord. Help them to know and to understand what they're missing, Lord, by rejecting you. If you're out there right now listening to me and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to God. I'm trying to do this on my own. I think I can do this on my own. I believe I can do this on my own. I don't need God. I can do this on my own. I want you to know you are being deceived, my friend. You need God. Don't wait until disaster strikes, until everything starts falling apart. Don't wait. Because then you're going to cry out and, man, it's going to be so hard. It's going to be, God will be there. Yes, God will be there in your pain and your hurt and your devastation. But the damage, the damage that will have been done up until that point of your life will be crazy. God can fix it, yes. But the Bible says, today is a day of salvation. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until next week. Today is a day of salvation. Let God have your life today, right now. Repent. Turn away from the wickedness and the madness and the darkness and the chaos and all that the world has to offer. Turn away from it right now. And God says, He will receive you. If you're ready to make that decision right now and turn your life over to God, to surrender your life to God, to turn away from the wickedness and the madness and the chaos and the sin and the rebellion. If you're ready to do that right now and trust God, trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to take off those dirty garments of sin and wretchedness and to put on the robe of righteousness. If you're ready to do that right now, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Remove these garments that are filthy, corrupt. And Lord, clothe me with the robe of righteousness that comes only from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you made that decision, you are now a child of God. You are a Christian man or a Christian woman. You belong to the Lord. He, he promises to take care of you, to watch over you, and to guide your every step of your life. He can turn your situation around, believe me. For those of you that are out there and you're Christians and you just need prayer, I want to pray with you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord, and we ask you to help us as your children. As we go through our struggles, as we go through our issues, as we go through all our, uh, all our, all our, all the drama of life, Lord, help us to know that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You will be with us until the very end of the age. Help us to trust you as our God. And if there's anything going on in our lives as your children, Lord, reveal it to our hearts. Help us to repent and help us to get right with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. For those of you that are-